Welcome to the Cost of Not Paying Attention, hosted by nationally recognized speaker Janine Hamner Holman. Janine knows what it takes to attract and retain world class talent. Join her here each week on the Cost of Not Paying Attention as we use brain science, leadership, management, and real life challenges managers face to explore the places where we aren't paying attention. Welcome to the cost of not paying attention. I'm your host, Janine Hamner-Holman. What am I paying attention to today? I don't really want to call it a commodity because it's certainly not something that we can go and trade on the commodity market. But man, is it important for how things work? I had a coach who used to talk all the time about workability and, you know, is what you're doing, is that creating workability or is it getting in the way of workability? Is it inhibiting workability? Is it making it so it's harder for things to go well? Appreciation is one of those things. So I'm going to tell a little story about my husband. Hopefully he's not going to murder me if the show never comes back. (laughs) Something bad happened, but he wouldn't. So my husband had a birthday on the very same day that he had hip replacement surgery. So like, talk about not a happy birthday. And so... His birthday is not a really big deal for him. My birthday is a really big deal for me, but he doesn't really care that much about his birthday. I'm working on him (laughs) around that. Uh, And, you know, as they do, he's coming along a little bit because he knows it matters to me. So he kept saying, "Eh, just forget about it. Just forget about it. You know, I don't don't make anything out of it. So I didn't. I literally made nothing out of it. And I was caretaking for him and stepping and fetching and doing all the things for one's significant other that we do when they go through major surgery. And so I did absolutely nothing for his birthday. And he then decided that that didn't feel very good and that he would love it if I gave him a card. And so I went to the store and I got actually two cards. And I said, when would you like your cards? And he said, well, you know, whenever. We know sometimes what that means, but I kind of forgot. I kind of forgot what that means. And so last night I gave him his birthday cards and birthday presents that I had bought before he said, don't do anything. And the first thing that he said to me was, well, you know, 10 and a half months late, which it's not, it's about two months. <laughs> it's about two months late, 10 and a half months late. And thank you. And I paused and I said, you know, I know that you're just teasing me, 
And it'd be really helpful if you could flip those two things. If the thank you could come first. Because even though it was two months late, and even though I know his birthday isn't something he really cared about, I actually, I had like seven or eight presents for him and two cards. And I'd kind of spread them out on the table so it would look really pretty. And by the time I got around to doing it, I actually wanted the acknowledgement. I wanted the appreciation for having done it. Even though really the purpose of giving gifts is to appreciate the other person. It really, it's a commodity that goes both ways. And for those of us for whom appreciation is really important for those words of acknowledgement that those, I see you, I see what you're doing, and I really, I really appreciate what you're doing for me. It makes a big difference. And I hadn't realized it was going to make any kind of a difference because I was giving him his presents two months late. But it did. So it got all that stuff in my head about how we communicate to each other, which brings me right to our guest for today. Meredith Bell is the co-founder and president of Grow Strong Leaders, which is a global software company that provides assessments and development tools for the workplace. Their award-winning software and books guide leaders and team members to make the shift from knowing to doing, which I just, I just love. The result is permanent improvements in the way that people interact with each other at work. And she's also the host of the Grow Strong Leaders podcast. Welcome, Meredith. Thank you, Janine. Loved your story, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Thank you. Uh, I'm looking forward to our conversation as well. And part of what I love about that story is like, I, you know, I don't really want to make anybody wrong in this story. But if you're going to make somebody wrong in this story, I'm definitely the one who gets to be made wrong two months late on his birthday presents. And by the time that I pulled it all together, I wanted, I wanted appreciation. I wanted that. Thank you. I'm, you know, and like, I know that it's two months late because I was recovering from hip surgery and then I had carpal tunnel surgery. So then, you know, so he had two surgeries in, <laughs> in three weeks. So it's been a long period of stepping and fetching. And, you know, so I just wanted a little bit of an atta girl. And it's so interesting to me when we really want that and we don't get it then the mischief that can happen mm -hmm. and because it's because it's me and my husband and we've been together for almost a decade I'm able to say I would really love it if you, if you mm -hmm. could flip that that would help me ah so Meredith what is something that you have noticed that people either are intentionally or unintentionally not paying attention to 
And what do you think the cost is of that inattention? You know, I just love that question, Janine, because it could go in a number of different directions. But right? one of the key things I think of is really related to the story that you told. To me, what people aren't paying attention to a lot of times is reading another person beyond the words they say. You know, your husband said, no big deal, don't worry about it. And yet beneath that, he was saying without saying, hey, it really is important to me. Right. And so we often, because we're busy, you know, we're focused on our own stuff. We take at face value sometimes yeah. what people say when we instead we don't pause, that we're not paying attention enough yep. about to ask the question, what might really be going on with this person? What might they really need? What might they really want? Right. And when we fail to do that, then we can run into this, as you call it, mischief. I like that word. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the, the cost of not paying attention always has to do with, to me, relationships. Yep. Because our behavior impacts someone else. And, you know, kudos to you to address it with him, what you would have appreciated him saying to you first. Most people aren't as evolved as you are, if that's the right word. <laughs> I've been you know, working on it for a very the long level time. level of awareness yeah. isn't. So we're looking at hurt feelings, you know, disappointment, and people just withdrawing many times instead of stating their needs and stating what they would like instead of what the person said or did. So I think that's a key thing that I'm paying more attention to. And I'm looking for ways to be, you know, more open to noticing signals Mm -hmm. from others and then asking to check and go deeper if the situation calls for it, so that I don't take at a superficial level what they're saying. You know, it's sort of like asking your teenager, how are you doing? Fine. Fine. (laughs) (laughs) And we know just the way they say that word, something's off. Or calling someone, you know, I can call a relative and the way they say hello sometimes can tell me how they are. And so to pay attention to that and then ask before launching into you know, whatever conversation I might have called them about. I think Mm -hmm. that's a really key thing. Uh, I, I love what you're distinguishing here because we all have a hallucination about other people. And we all think at some level, we all kind of expect other people to be able to read our minds a little bit. My husband said to me the other day, I'm going to get the transponder. So in California for toll roads, we have a little thing. Lots of states have them now. Um, and it just takes the the toll off of off of the, the device in your car. And so we trade it back and forth between our cars. We may not be supposed to do that, but we do. Because um, neither one of us is on a toll road very much. And he was going someplace where he needed the transponder. And so he got it out of my car. And then I woke up the next day, which was a Saturday. I woke up on Saturday and he wasn't there. And then like an hour and a half went by. And he was still not there. 
And so I called him. I didn't get him. And I and I wasn't particularly worried, but I definitely was like, where the heck is my husband on a Saturday morning? This is not a time when our normal pattern is he's up and out of the house. And he came home and I said, where were you? And he said, well, don't you remember I had that thing? And I said, oh, yeah. But you you mentioned that like a week or a week and a half ago, and I'd completely forgotten. And he said, no, I reminded you yesterday. And I said, you did? How did you remind me? And he said, I told you I was getting the transponder. It's like, oh, yeah, that was not enough of a reminder. <laughs> you know, so so we think people that we're around a lot, whether it's at home or at work or, you know, friends or, or whoever it is, we think that we're giving out these clues, these signals to people about what they should do or what we expect or what's going to be happening. But often the other person is not picking up what we're putting down. And if we don't check in about it, then, you know, we may or may not be, be being complete in our communication about Mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. And I know, excuse me, I know that this arena of communications is one in which you are a true expert. So what can you share with us about how we can ensure that our communication, whether it's our appreciation communication or another form of communication, that it's really being received in the way that we're intending it? Mm -hmm. When we're talking about sending a message to someone, I think it's our responsibility to just check in and say, could you just summarize in your own words what you understood me to say? If it's important, if you're trying to convey something important, whether it's instructions or whatever it might be that could have a consequence if they haven't heard you, right. then to ask them in a very respectful way, you know, mm-hmm. can you tell me what I just said? No, that's right. not what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's this idea of, you know, what are the key takeaways you have from what I just shared with you? Because it's important for me that I was clear with you. So taking responsibility for what I'm saying yeah. to make sure I'm being clear, not as a test for them <laughs> on their memory. So right. I think that's a key Thing For me, one of the key things with communicating uh, a fundamental skill is listening. Yeah. Um, you know, in our book on Connect With Your Team, that is our number one skill. It's our longest chapter because it's fundamental to all the others that we talk about there. Right. And, you know, most people think, oh, I'm a pretty good listener. But the fact is, we miss a lot. And it goes back to what I was saying, this whole thing of paying attention not just to the words somebody was saying, but the tone of voice they used. How did they look when they were saying it? How are they standing if it's a, you know, in person? All of these are clues as to what the real message is. And too often, as you, you know, you just made this point about we are thinking the other person can read our minds. We think that we can read their message, (laughs) you know, without checking it. And so it's really important for us to 
use those few minutes after someone has shared something with us to make sure we've heard them. And we don't have to use that old cliche, you know, what I hear you saying is, right? you know, use your own language that sounds natural to you. Well, it sounds like you're really frustrated because da di da da So you're capturing the emotion you're hearing mm-hmm. and tying it to what they were saying. And then you're giving them a chance to respond. Right. To see if they agree that what you just summarized is accurate. Yeah. Because too often we're often running, we're, we're, you know, offering up a solution or reacting in, to something someone says without checking first. Is this what you really meant? Right. <clears throat> we get into so much trouble. I've done that many times <laughs> myself. You know, we all have our battle scars from making assumptions about what someone means. And yep. You know, I think part of it, uh, Janine, it goes back to our egos get in the way that need to be right or the need to defend our position or ourselves. And so a key aspect is, to me, a real good communication is being willing to be open, to learn, to hear another perspective, whether I agree with it or not, but it's Mm -hmm. a way for me to understand where this person is coming from. And I think that's a key to forming strong connections with others and forming solid relationships and building that trust is having that person felt heard, felt respected and felt understood. Yeah. And I, I love what you're talking about in that. Well, I I love everything that that you just said, but I, but I especially want to pull on the thread around it's okay if you say something and I have a different opinion about that, or I, I have a different lived experience around that, or, or that's not my experience with that person or that thing, or, you know, whatever it is. If instead of listening to you through the lens that we usually listen through, you know, it's a bit of an odd idea we look through lenses you and I are both right now looking at each other through through actual lenses with our glasses but we listen through lenses too and usually the the lens that we listen through is what do I think about what they're saying do I agree or do I not agree we're not letting our natural curiosity I I had the opportunity recently to be around a toddler who's almost two and you know it's one of the it's it's such a fun age because they're so curious about everything and you know why and and they're just not you know we humans are naturally curious beings and as we age we lose some of that natural curiosity about other people and about you know that's super interesting that you did that thing. What, why, why did you do it that way? That's not how I would have done it. But then rather than just stopping there, why did you do it that way? Maybe that's not how I would have done it. We then go into this whole explanation in our brains because humans are also meaning-making machines. We make meaning out of everything. It's how our mm-hmm. brain organizes information. So you did that thing that way. Well, that means you don't respect me. You don't like me. You think you're better than me. 
you think I'm an idiot, you know, whatever the things are, it's usually the negative things. Again, how our brain is wired that, that we come up with as explanations for why you did that thing that way, Mm -hmm. as opposed to just like, huh, Meredith, that's interesting. Tell me about why you did that that way. And rather than, than listening through some mischief that I've created, just like listening to learn, listening for what's important to her. What are her priorities? How does she see the world different from me? I think, I think if we can even just a little bit, get back to being curious about people and things and ideas, even our own ideas, I think we'd all, I think the world would be in a different place. And yeah, I'm going to stop there. I, I totally agree with you. And as I was listening to you, I was thinking about how we tend to jump to that conclusion and judging of someone <laughs> yep. that we've especially had, say, some friction with. Right. It's so much easier to jump to that because it's sort of our, you know, reflexive action. We're used to having not necessarily conflict, but some kind of friction with this person where they are constantly challenging us or we've disagreed or whatever degree of dissonance there's been. And so this kind of leads into this idea of appreciation. Mm -hmm. And one of the most important lessons I ever learned about appreciation was from a podcast. I heard probably more than 10 years ago, it was an early podcast with um, Dan Sullivan of Strategic Coach. Uh-huh. And he was talking about two definitions of appreciation that I just internalized because it resonated so much with me. And I think that uh, if your listeners will imagine this, the next time they're getting ready to have a conversation with someone, maybe at work or even at home, that they've had friction with in the past, this could really help the relationship. So the first Bring one, on. <laughs> yeah, we're looking at two different definitions of appreciate. So one is when we think of things appreciating, like a yeah. stock we've invested in or real estate, that we think more often in things appreciating, increasing in value. Mm-hmm. We don't often apply that to people. Hmm. And if we did, it, we would really have two positive things happen. Let's say I'm getting ready to have a conversation with you and you and I have had differences in the past. Well, if I take a few minutes before our conversation to either mentally or physically make a list. What are the things about Janine that I really value? Mm. No, what has she, how has she contributed value to my life, to my work? So we are really making our minds think about the positives, not what was the last time we had a rift about something. (laughs) So it's this idea of increasing the value of the person in our own mind. Yeah. Before we ever interact with them. And then the second definition has to do with more of a military context uh-huh. where a lot of time a scout was sent out in advance of the troops to kind of check out 
And what they were doing was getting a full understanding or an appreciation of what the enemy was doing. Mm -hmm. So it's this idea of understanding the situation. Mm -hmm. So when you think about bringing those two aspects of appreciation towards your attitude Mm -hmm. about a specific Mm -hmm. individual, it's amazing. I've done this with my husband. I've done this with my business partners, other people. There was one individual at one time who annoyed me. We we just had totally opposite personalities. Mm-hmm. By taking time in advance of the conversation to go through this process and write out, what does this person bring to our relationship mm-hmm. that I have valued? And so that way, when you are meeting with the person in real time, you bring this attitude of appreciating them and they feel it. You don't have to say, oh, I've been listing all these things I've talked about. (laughs) No, the purpose of it isn't to provide them with that list. It's to set our own minds in the right attitude in our interaction with them. And because of that, we can be dare I say, more loving Mm -hmm. in our approach to them. And honestly, Janine, people feel that when you are coming to them in this spirit of openness, of enjoying them, you're smiling, you're more relaxed, you're not tense, worried about what's going to be coming out of their mouths this time. You know, it's just a whole different feeling and they pick up on it. And the impact of doing that well is that their perception of their own value goes up in their own mind. Mm-hmm. What gift that is that we can give to another human being. That to me is really deep appreciation. When we help others recognize and feel their own value so they increase their right. value in their own mind. Oh. I, I love this idea. I'd never heard this before. So I'm going to work on imprinting this in my brain as well. And part of what I love about it, I, as our listeners know, about 15 years ago, I got very interested in, in neuroscience and how our brains work and in why, in why we do the things that we, we, we interesting humans do the things that we do. And Part of what I love about that is essentially, you know, we've all heard that so much of communication is nonverbal. It's in it's in our faces, it's in our body language, it's in our tonality. And I think some of it is literally, it's just, it's in our brain, it's in our intention, it's in the energy that we're bringing to the conversation. Mm-hmm. And so essentially, what we're doing when we make that list of all the things that we appreciate about the the other person is we're priming the pump. We are, we're like getting energetically ourselves ready for a good conversation. Mm -hmm. It makes me remember I had a, one of the most challenging bosses I ever had had a tendency to um, move people into the sun so that you were just the shining star and you could do nothing wrong. And then into the outhouse where he could do 
nothing right. And it was often, it was a very big fall from grace. It was hard to be with that emotional roller coaster. And just like being in the sun was a public affair, being in the outhouse was also a public affair. And so there was public shaming and, you know, it was not a good scene. Definitely in that realm of what we now refer to as toxic. And I remember a couple of times I knew some things about her life and her family of origin. I knew her husband and her kids. And and so there were a couple of times when instead of bringing my fear to the conversation about like, uh, which which version of her am I going to get now? Am I going to be in the sunshine or in the doghouse? I just brought appreciation and I remember how much she lit up and I'm not sure it really impacted me in the moment in the same way that it it impacts me in my memory of it because there's that interesting phenomenon but you know as I'm thinking back on it She was obviously, she was not a happy person. There were a lot of challenges and conflict in her life. And I can think of two particular, and I can picture it exactly. I know exactly where we were. I know exactly what we were doing. I know exactly what I said once it was verbal, once it was in in the world's longest text message ever, because we were in a meeting. And, And I'm not sure actually what moved me to create all of that for her because she was definitely my nemesis and she was also my boss. So the difference that it made in her, if only for a moment, it definitely created as well something for me. Like I got to give that to her. And it made me feel really good. Mm-hmm. And I think we sometimes forget when we think about doing things that feel, if it feels like, oh, that's going to be hard or oh, it feels like it's just going to take a lot of work or, or whatever it is that we think about doing that thing. There's almost always a positive feedback loop in there that then generates some juice, some positive energy, some verve, some juju, some what, whatever our words are for ourselves that comes back to us that can be part of the payoff. Yes, such an important story for a number of reasons. One is we can never guess what kind of path somebody else has walked. And so when we've had these past conflicts with someone, a lot of times they're triggering in us something, you know, that we're, we haven't been aware of, we haven't dealt with when we get triggered by someone else. But also we can't underestimate the positive impact our attitude, our approach to someone else can have on them. As you said, could be just a moment. It could be a lifetime. We never know what impact our words and actions could have on someone else. 
And another aspect of what you just said that I think is so important, we can never assume that just because someone has reached a certain level or position in a company or a certain degree of wealth, that they don't need appreciation also. You know, we never totally arrive at that. And I'll give you a great example. Many years ago, I was a member of this organization for business owners and entrepreneurs called Glazer Kennedy Inner Circle. And Bill Glazer was the president. And I went to a number of their meetings and I made a point of looking for things that I was enjoying at the conference. And then I would go up to him and say, you know, Bill, I really love that last speaker. And I just needed to hear what they said, looking for different things. And this is a guy that was a multimillionaire many times over. And he said, you know, Meredith, you're so positive. Can I get you to call me every day and say (laughs) nice things to me? And that's not the end of the story, because after I think it was that particular conference, I found the perfect card that was a thank you card that I sent to him and his team. And I itemized in that card all the things I had appreciated about that conference. Do you know that in the next issue of the newsletter, that filled a full page of the newsletter wow. to all the members. And I, I remember reading, opening up my newsletter and seeing my card there. And I went, <laughs> oh my gosh. But I got to thinking it's a yeah. example of people valuing being appreciated. You know, I still have cards that I got from decades ago when I was teaching elementary school and the parents who wrote to express their appreciation to me for what impact I'd had on their child. I have long forgotten what gifts I received, you know, for Christmas or the end of the year. But those cards mean a lot because they came from the heart. And I think sometimes we allow ourselves to conclude, well, that person doesn't need to hear it from me. They've already, you know, or it'll go to their head, you know, right. or they'll they'll get a big ego. No, all of those assumptions are inaccurate. Everyone who is a human being has <laughs> that need to be understood and appreciated. And so the more we can look for opportunities to do that, it also feeds ourselves, you know, the impact that it has on us and how we feel about that person, but also just feel about ourselves in general, because mm-hmm. we've been generous with this other person. We've given as opposed to looking for what's wrong. It's so easy to criticize and tear down. You you know, your opening example was perfect. Yeah, it took two months and thank you. No, <laughs> let's look for, and you spoke it so beautifully. You know, what would have felt better was hearing the thank you first. Yeah. Well, if you feel that way, it's likely that others feel that same way. So what can we do to acknowledge the good that yeah. others do? And the more specific we can be, the better, because then it doesn't feel like some generalized you know, attaboy kind of statement. It's more heartfelt and people sense that. I, I love that. Uh, and when I'm working with organizations, which is what I do professionally, I mean, you know, this is obviously part of what I do professionally. And part of what I do professionally is work inside of organizations to make things better. And one of the things that I work with managers, directors, leaders on is is appreciation and not 
appreciation that's generalized, not like, thanks so much, you're doing a great job. I don't, I don't know what to do with that. That doesn't actually mm-hmm. help me very much. Thank you so much for this specific thing that you did and how that made something better, how that made my day better, how that made me smile, how that made it so that I didn't have to worry about getting this thing in on time, whatever that then contributed to me or to the project Mm -hmm. or, or the organization, that's when you want to really call something out. And the, the more we can practice that the more that we can practice getting really clear about what is it that we're appreciating and what was the value that it provided, mm-hmm. the more that that's going to land with the people that we're appreciating, the more it's going to matter. And with the younger generations in the workforce today, the millennials and the Gen Zs coming after them. And y'all, if you're not aware of this yet, In 2025, so two and a half years from now, the millennials and the Gen Zs will be 75% of the working population. So the things that matter to them need to matter to all of us because this is the future of work. And this kind of appreciation, not thanks for doing a good job, not not the old, well, I give them a paycheck and that's plenty of appreciation. Uh-uh. This like, I appreciate this thing that you did, maybe even the way that you did it or how you got it done, the timeliness of it, if that's appropriate, you know, whatever the particular qualities of it are and how he or she or they got it done. And what then it contributed to you or to the team or to the organization, that's when appreciation lands. That's when it's a commodity that can move things forward. And it's one of the key things that are going to keep people around in your organization. We are currently in the midst of whatever you want to call it, the great reshuffling, the great resignation, whatever you want to call it, you know, the quest for top talent is tight and it is way easier to keep the people that you have than to recruit in new people. And this commodity of appreciation is the biggest thing. Not money, not benefits, not like sleeping pods. (laughs) This idea of really appreciating people for what they are doing day in, day out. And sometimes it's also how they are being, the way that you showed up in that meeting. You know, the energy that you brought was so important to having a great outcome. That's what's going to keep people around and keep people motivated. That's so great. I love that you brought up both things because as you were talking about the first, what they did, this who I'm being in the moment is so powerful. And to acknowledge that in someone else, because, you know, a lot of times our strengths are not obvious to us because that's just who we are and what we do. But for others, it's like magic. It's like, whoa, that was awesome. So to have someone point out to you the way you showed up, that energy you brought, that reminds them of 
their best selves and what's valued. And so they're more motivated to give more of it when they see that it's been noticed and reinforced as being a real positive. So I love that example that you gave. And to me, the takeaway for a listener is what am I paying attention to? Am I even noticing how people show up to a conversation, to a meeting? Am I noticing the good things people are doing? Because, you know, kids growing up get criticized way more than they get praised. And then it carries over in the workplace. People get criticized way more than they get praised. And I think it's because we're trained to focus on what we did wrong. You know, when we get the red X's on our papers in school or, you know, things marked up and all the things we did wrong, wrong, wrong. And instead, if we can retrain our brains to notice those positives, then that's what we'll start seeing more of. But it takes a lot of practice. We don't just do it automatically. And I think giving yourself credit for when you do notice and implement it reminds you of what you want to emphasize going forward. And it isn't to throw out all the things that, you know, you need to bring up to someone if they've done something wrong. It's that there's the importance of balance here. And if people feel like they're constantly being berated, picked on, you know, criticized, that's going to cause them to say, I'm out of here. And the meaningful, positive recognition of what somebody has done, I just think is one of the most important aspects of leadership and parenting and really relationships. (laughs) If we really want to have a strong relationship with someone else, recognizing and commenting on. And I want to add one other thing about that, because sometimes we recognize what someone has done. And we withhold that positive feedback because of our own egos, you know, thinking if we give this away, somehow it takes away from ourselves or we think, oh, I don't want it to go to their head. All of that is nonsense. The, the, The reality is if we notice and see something, let's give that generously to someone else it will come back to us in terms of how we feel about ourselves how they feel about us and our relationship with them and it will usually come back tenfold it will Mm -hmm. usually come back magnified and so I love that I love that idea and so I think actually That's a perfect place for us to conclude this conversation with this idea of when we give. Adam Grant has a wonderful book called Givers and Takers and about how much more over the long term people whose perspective, people whose orientation is to giving rather than getting and receiving and taking. When our attitude is about giving and contributing, then over the long term, we make out much better in the world. So let's all practice that a little. Let's all practice today, tomorrow, for the rest of our lives, taking on giving and curiosity. What What might the world be like if we could have those 
perspectives as our new ways of being. Meredith, thank you so much for being with us today, for sharing your wisdom and your insights and your humor and your perspectives. I so appreciate it. Thank you, Janine. I appreciate you and your wonderful podcast and the opportunity to share this important topic with your listeners. You're more than welcome. It's truly been my honor. This has been the cost of not paying attention. Remember, great leaders make great teams. Until next time. On behalf of Janine Hamner Holman, thanks for paying attention. This has been the cost of not paying attention. Head on over to our website, www.janinehamner.com forward slash podcast for access to the show notes as well as additional resources. Remember, great leaders make great teams. I'm making